very simple. Your seconds. Let's get as close as you can. I love that outfit. It looks like fun. <laughs> yes, it's perfect. The only thing that's missing is our lime green fingernails and toenails. <laughs> yeah. I'm partial to those green ones. About the color of Kathy's shirt. Cherise. <laughs> Y'all excited? I'm excited. Oh, Jesus, I'm excited. Wait, to, wait till Saturday night. The youth, the youth is gonna, you're gonna receive an impartation from the youth. Ah, Lord, who remembers what impartation is? Right, the introduction to something new. That's what discipleship's all about, the introduction of something new. And I remember I gave the example of um, pouring cream and coffee. The color changed, the taste changed, everything about it changed just because of an impartation. So <laughs> when, you, when you are listening to teaching and, and discipleship in all these classes, there's an impartation happening. That's what, and listen, what, what guarantees an impartation is that you have the power and the presence of God coming out of your mouth, coming off your lips. The power and the presence of God guarantees an impartation. And the guarantee is this, one, that you're going to receive it and you don't even realize you're receiving it, and two, that it's going to succeed and what it was sent out to do by God. It will succeed in what it was sent out to do. So Lee taught last week on the three different types of visions last week. Personal, familiar, and collective. And um, the Lord gave me some insight on vision. And when I was leaving my daughter's house yesterday, we're doing a major transformation of that house, and I'm going to have Chris do a video of it so I can do a message on transformation. But you will never experience transformation until you have vision. When I was walking away from her house yesterday, the Lord spoke, and I was in the, going, going to the, down the driveway, and he said, you know, Gene, you, you need to teach the people that they'll never experience transformation until they have a vision. Until they have a vision for your life. What's your vision for your life? This is what this is all about. You can have a personal vision. You can have a corporate vision. God may connect you to the vision of another person like this ministry. This, this vision may be your vision. You're connected to it. You see it. You believe it. That could be your vision. But that's where transformation begins is with vision. So we're going to be on the topic. How many of these books did everybody get? Did they come in? Does some of them come in that we can pass them out for the ones that did order? Um, what are some of the obstacles? And I'm on page 31. So when you get your book, I'm on page 31. 
What are some of the obstacles of a vision? You have a vision for marriage. You have a vision for a house. You have a vision for, for uh, a career. You have a vision for ministry. Um, we're going to talk about what are some of the obstacles of vision. And I always say the number one obstacle is flesh. Because flesh blocks the vision that's not seen in the material realm. Blocks it from materializing. And see, we get impatient because the vision has not come to pass yet. And we start stepping out on our own to bring that vision to pass. And as soon as we step out, this is important, without the leading of the Holy Spirit, we step right into deception. And you have to know by the witnesses that you're led by the Holy Spirit. We taught on those witnesses. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Period. The shepherd shepherds babies. But the sons are led by the Spirit. The shepherd shepherds babies, but the sons are led by the Spirit. So you have to know your vision, and hopefully everybody has written down their vision since we started this first part of this apostolic. And for those who this is your first time, it's the apostolic discipleship. This is the uh, discipleship level two. And there's another level we're going to hit after we go through this series, but the level one we've pretty much already done. This is level two. And this is apostolic discipleship, which means this came from King Jesus' ministry, which means the more I teach on it, the more I speak on it, you're getting an impartation from that ministry now, which is a higher level of grace. That's why it's important I wanted everybody to come, because you'll feel the impartation. You'll feel the excitement. You'll feel the energy. You'll feel the change. And aren't you ready for change? I'm ready for change. Um, I'm called to change. You're called to change. And wouldn't it be beautiful if you just get to the point where change doesn't bother you anymore? That change actually excites you instead of a dread? But it, it excites you. You'll get to that point. Resistance to change. By nature, human beings are resistant to change, scared of new things. Listen, if we are, if we are walking in faith, we should never be scared of a new thing. We should never be scared. If we are truly in faith, we are not going to be scared of change. If you're truly in faith, you will never be scared of a new thing, ever. Because something, something miraculous about faith clothes you with grace. Because when you operate in faith, you're being clothed with grace. And that grace is protecting you. Protecting your mind. It brings peace. Don't be scared of new things. Resistant to change. Dislike leaving their comfort zone. How many of you love that comfort zone? <laughs> Lord Jesus. When I first opened up this ministry, I loved my comfort zone. Because <laughs> it was tough opening up an apostolic, uh, apostolic ministry. Because every devil in hell was fighting me. 
And I didn't have all these great people I have now helping me. I was by myself. But I had to stay in what? Faith. Because I knew change had to happen. And without staying in faith, I would have never experienced the grace that I'm looking at right now. That's you. The people. The grace that I'm looking at right now is a result of my faith for change. Leave the comfort zone. Listen, God never called you, wee woo to a comfort zone. <laughs> I don't know why I pointed you out. I'm sorry. Yeah. You just want to get comfortable with Wita. You just want to sit on her lap and hug on her. God called you to be comfortable, not in comfort. He wants you to be comfortable. He called you to be comfortable, but not in comfort. Because comfort, the longer you stay in comfort, you're saying, you're saying this, I did this. I did this. And I was reading about, I got a teacher to church in Hinesville this weekend and seeking the Lord on what to teach. And he took me to Second Samuel and King Uzziah, I guess his name is, and how he, as long as he worshiped the Lord, God prospered him. And he worshiped the Lord and God prospered him. God added uh, people, gave him victory in everything that he came up against. But then he decided to to build buildings. Then he started to take take men out of their families and make them quit their jobs to be a part of this army that would protect him. So he got into pride. And his fall came because he went into where the altar of incense was where the priests go and went in there with his, his incense censer and the priest, priest, uh, priest um, said he wasn't supposed to be in there because they could feel something wasn't right. And you can't bring anger into the presence of God. Because if you got anger, you got pride. He was angry with God and didn't even know it. Because listen, if your relationship is right with God, you won't have any anger. Right? There's a righteous, I get a righteous anger rise up in me. And I can get bold, get things in order and get it right. But you know I love you. I do it, right? You know I love you. You know my, where my heart is for you. But that anger caused him, when he was in that, when he was in that altar, and he began to get angry because the priest told him to come out, leprosy broke out of his head. And uh, leprosy is what? In the New Testament. Anger. Anger. I wish Carrie was here. I see him out there. Carrie was full of leprosy, full of anger. I told everybody around here, don't get around him. He's got, he's got leprosy on him. And that'll get on you. It'll jump on you. Sometimes you've got to not get around people that God has is, 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 is got his mighty right hand humbling them. It's his mighty hand that humbles us, that he may exalt us. 
And all he's trying to do is squeeze all that pride out, all that flesh out. Comfort zones. But this halter stops the fulfillment of the vision of God. So change is going to require a sacrifice. And it's these two sacrifices. If you get focused on these two sacrifices and not focus on the sacrifice of you losing something, because most of us lose something because we don't understand what sacrifice is. Sacrifice is the sacrifice of worship and the sacrifice of fellowship. When change comes, God really doesn't want to take things from you. He just doesn't want the things to take his place. And if you will make the sacrifice of worship, then he'll let you keep your stuff. Because now he can get in it. Does that make sense? But the sacrifice of fellowship is, as I said this before, when your flesh doesn't want to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to have fellowship with God. Or when you don't want to come to church on Saturday or sonship. That's a sacrifice to come here. Especially when you don't want to do it. A sacrifice is going to be so contrary to your flesh. That's how you know you got to go. And the, the important thing is about sacrifice. Is when you feel the sacrifice. That you're getting closer to God. When you don't want to do it. God says. Now's the time for you to get closer to me. And we need more of him. I'm crying out to him constantly for more revelation. We need more revelation. So the old wine mindset, God always wants to do new things. He is creative by nature and never repeats ideas. God gives you an idea, he won't repeat it. If you got an idea and you think it was from God and it keeps getting repeated and repeated, it ain't God's idea. It's the enemy's idea. It's the enemy's idea. In your head, that's right. Um, he gives you an idea, you just hold on to that idea. Amen? He don't give it to you all over again. God speaks one time. I learned that a long time ago. He speaks one time to me and you. And when I've gone to him before and asking about this or asking about that, he wouldn't answer me because he told me I've already spoken. I've already spoken. It's amazing how we can go from church to church to church to church looking for prophecy because we didn't like the last one. Right? <laughs> you want that prophecy to fit my idea. You want that prophecy to fit my vision. When vision can only come to pass through sacrifice. This vision for Kenyan life came to pass through the sacrifice of worship. Write it, write it down. The sacrifice of worship. So he, God is creative by nature and never repeats ideas. Be, becoming stagnant in old mythologies speaks of religious religiosity and attachment to human and faulty ways of thinking. This stops the advancement of the vision and makes us common, regular, I love this, and lost in the crowd. Lost in the crowd. How many of y'all been lost in the crowd? Following the scattered sheep. 
lost in the crowd. Going from church to church, lost in the crowd. Looking for a daddy, looking for a home, <laughs> looking for the presence. But God is faithful because he knows your heart. And he'll eventually get to you where you need to be. Amen. And it ain't going to look like what you thought it was going to look like. People come in here and think, oh, this is a cult. They stand outside a door. Who, who stood outside this door saying, I ain't going in there? Some, some of y'all already did that. Uh, that's an occult in there. They don't see any crosses. That's why I put the crosses up. Make sure this, that people know this is a, a Jesus Christ ministry. <laughs> put those crosses up. The Lord said, put the crosses up. You don't get lost in the crowd. And we were talking the other day about God's remnants, how the remnants are so powerful. All through the Old Testament, he took a remnant of army and just conquered thousands of these big army soldiers. And so we are a remnant. I, I always say it's a majority, I mean a minority of people with a majority of power. So you want to, somebody ask you what kind of church you are, you say I'm a minority church with a majority of power. And then pray for them and see what happens. Signs, wonders, and miracles should come forth. Listen, evangelism's got to pick up. Come up to the, another bar in this ministry. And it already has. I mean, everybody's kind of fueled up about that. But, but God is moving with those signs and wonders and miracles in the marketplace. But you've got to befriend somebody. You've got to strike up a conversation with somebody. And watch God open up the door. That's all it takes. Sometimes you're, just your presence will open up for them. I've never seen people just pour out their guts to me. Even years back, I just sit down with them. Next thing I know, everything about them. Didn't ask one question. It's amazing what the anointing will pull out. The anointing will pull it out. And the only reason God allows the anointing to pull it out because God knows he can trust you. God knows he can trust you. So conformism, if we become complacent with the present, we will never desire, desire anything for the future. If we become complacent with the present, and I almost felt that complacency in this ministry, and I didn't like it, you know, coming in here and doing the same thing, and it's so easy to conform than it is to be transformed. It's so easy to conform to worship, conform to prayer, conform to giving, conform to these things. And the difference is they're not spirit-led. Spirit-led will lead you from conformity to transforming. Be spirit-led in every decision. And God connected us to King Jesus' ministry so we wouldn't conform and not lose our desire. Because your desire can get pushed down so far down that you'll think it's totally impossible for your vision to come to pass. Your vision will only come to pass in stages. God unveils it. He unveils it. He unveils it. And he's going to connect you with someone different every time. Because everybody's a part of everybody's vision. Everybody's a part of everybody's vision.
We are a body of Christ. Here's another obstacle. Fear of paying the price. There's a price to pay for the anointing of God. Because if you're not anointed, then you're fleshly. And we don't want to be fleshly. God shut down this ministry because he said there'll be no flesh in this ministry. There'll be a flesh-free uh, leadership in this ministry. It will not have flesh and operation. We all fail, right? But we don't practice it. We're not going to practice it. So price means commitment. And I thank God for the, everyone that's committed to Kingdom Life Ministry. Because I'm telling you, it frees me up in the spirit realm when you stay committed. If you keep me freed up in the spirit realm, you'll get a lot more revelation, a lot more grace coming your way, a lot more blessings coming your way. If you just pray for me, put me on your prayer list. And see, when you pray for a man of God and his mantle, as you're praying for him, you're accessing his mantle. And whatever's in his mantle is coming into your life because you prayed for him or her. So if he's got signs, wonders on his mantle, if he's got wealth on his mantle, whatever he's got on his mantle is coming into your life. It's because you prayed for him or prayed for her. I've learned that a long time ago. You pray for your leadership. Christ means commitment. Without it, no vision can be accomplished. We need selfless people in ministry. One of the things that causes you to be selfless, it makes it so easy. Because in the church today, as I know it, and I came out of the religious church, uh, was the lack of revelation. When there's revelation in your ministry, you'll be selfless. Because the revelation, the rhema word of God, the truth that you hear, it's got to be fresh all the time. Like I'm talking right now, some of this is fresh stuff coming out. That has enough power to keep you selfless. Because nothing compares to what the revelation can offer you. The revelation God is offering you something. The number one thing it's offering is love. Another level of love with the Father is what that revelation is offering. When, when God gives you a revelation, He's saying in that revelation, I love you. And wouldn't it be awesome to know that you're fixing to go through a change and somebody's saying, I love you and I'm going to be with you. Isn't that comforting? It's comforting. To know that he is with us in this change. Personal ambition is an obstacle to a vision. God's vision is never selfish. It is based on establishing the kingdom. And this is why I see a lot of diminishing in the church. Blessing others. We sort of make it a practice here. To bless and honor people here with material things and just honoring them and uh, 
speaking well of them and loving them. But I see that lacking in uh, a lot of churches because we're based on, this is based on building the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is, is built on truth and love. Truth and love. Truth and love. So uh, we're going to have to exchange our our personal agenda for the collective vision of the ministry. Amen? And you probably had another agenda for today, but you're here. So you're saying, I'm changing my agenda to be a part of this collective vision. And listen, when, when, when the vision begins to come to maturity, you talk about 24-hour joy. That's what we all want, is the joy of being able to minister out of our gifting. If we can't minister out of our gifting, we're going to be miserable. When the Lord shut down this ministry, what, in 2011? Man, I cried from my home all the way to this building, all the way from Tavi, because that was like shutting down my calling and my gifting. It was my life. That's not my life over there. That's my decoy over there. So I catch men over there. We all catch people over there, right? We catch them. Pastor Mike, we catch them. <laughs> He's one of them. <laughs> Pastor Mike is an awesome man of God, I'm telling you. God has connected the two of us, and he's a part of this ministry. I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna disciple him, mentor him, and um, he's gonna work with us. Division is an obstacle of a vision. Offense in you will block your vision. Offense will block your vision. Offense is different from being offended. I'm always offended by what people do and say. But I never have offense towards the people because offense is no longer in me. Does that make sense? Because Jesus said himself that he would be an offense to us. That means our flesh. So if you've got somebody you don't particularly want to be around, you got offense in you. And no minister should be ordained with offense in them. You ought to get it right quickly. Because if I put lay hands on you and, and, uh, and uh, that apostolic anointing comes on, you could die with offense in you. That's how dangerous it is. And there's ministers dying, falling in pulpits all the, all the time before they get up to preach. Heart attacks and dropping dead right in front of the congregation because of offense. You can't tell me you've got a relationship with God and you have offense in you towards someone else. It's impossible. It's impossible. So deal with offense. And I'm going to be testing and challenging some of our preordained ministers this year. Um, I'm, the Lord's going to use me to say something to you. It just might make you mad. But he's testing to see if there's offense. 
And if I find offense, we're going to sit you down for a whole year. <laughs> because we're not going to put that on the people out here as ministers. Amen. We all have it at some point or sometime, but we all don't need to carry it. We can let it go. We need to let it go. It's blocking your vision. And like I said, vision could be for a marriage. Your vision could be for, it's a personal vision. It's a corporate vision. But if something's not whole in your life by now, and you've been in this ministry these, all these years, then you better check yourself. Because there's offense somewhere blocking that vision from coming to pass. It's an obstacle for the vision to come to pass. So division, when, when there are different or numerous visions, there is division. So in other words, if God's given you a corporate vision and you've come into this ministry and we already have a corporate vision, then there's going to be division. And I've seen it all the time. Someone comes in with a vision to a church, but it doesn't match the vision that's in the church, and they take a third of the people with them when they leave. And it's usually about a third that leaves because that's what was established in heaven. When Satan was cast out of heaven, one third of the angels went with him. And that's how you know. If it's one third, then it was demonic. It was demonic. As a result, an environment that breeds confusion or lacks direction is formed. An environment that breeds confusion. Some of us, Lee and myself and some of the others, can you walk in this atmosphere, you can feel, feel what's in the atmosphere. It's not right. You can feel there's confusion there, lack of order there. Uh, you can feel it. And the only way to clear the atmosphere is worship. Worship. Get God back involved. If your atmosphere is not cleared in your house, just worship God. Keep that instrumental playing in every room. Because, listen, I've said this before. The reason I keep music playing all the time because God flows through sound. And if you can get worship music, instrumentals, playing all the time, then you're walking around in your house and revelation is dropping in you constantly. That's the way it was me. When I walked around my house or in the car, revelation is dropping constantly. Little nuggets here and there. Get some instrumental music. We have plenty. And just play it softly in your home. You might think it's a distraction at first, but you'll get used to it. You don't even know it's there. When I was single, I would, I would keep the music going loud all the time. And, and um, people would come visit me. I'd bring some church people in, and they'd all be sitting on the couches. Within five, ten minutes, all of them are snoozing. Because the peace was so heavy, the presence of God was so heavy, they, they just went fell into a deep sleep. So I'm looking at three or four people on the, on the couch in a deep sleep that I invited over to dinner <laughs> to have some fellowship, that sacrifice of fellowship, and um, they're sleeping on me. <laughs> no, not that was boring, no. My food may have been. But... But there's another side of me. There's a fun side of me. We call it the sapphire side. If I can get that ruby satisfied, and if I can get that emerald satisfied, 
I can have fun. And you, and you can tell in my teenage pictures that I was having fun, that I had a sapphire in full operation in my teenage years. Disobedience is the last obstacle of vision. Not following God's orders correctly causes the vision to delay or remain stagnant. How does God's order come? Most of the time it comes through your leader, right? How many of y'all just love it when I give you an order? Hey, you love it. Kathy loves it. <laughs> yeah, at least the Jonathan, Jonathan. Jonathan, go implement this for me. <laughs> but usually if it don't work out, it comes right back to me. We got to get everybody around the table, work it out. Vision's important. And the only way that you can get a vision, the only way I've got these visions is was in worship. Worship. And you know as well as I do what we find in a lot of, with a lot of church leaders, not all of them, but a lot of them, they don't know how to get in the presence of God. If they did, they would be in their congregation. And you wouldn't have people uh, jumping from church to church to church because the presence is what we're looking for. We're not looking for prophecy, even though that's what we want. We're not looking for a word of knowledge, even though that's what we want. What we really need is the presence of God. If you've got the presence of God, you won't need all that stuff. All those things are supposed to get you closer to the presence of God. A word of knowledge, a prophecy, and these things. They get you closer to the presence of God because you feel like God has his eyes on you. Isn't it awesome when you do get a true pro uh, prophecy or a word of knowledge? You feel so special. God knows about me. <laughs> <laughs> he knows about me. It does make you, especially when it's right. Especially when it's detailed. I believe he knows, uh, knows all the hairs on my head now. When you get a prophecy that's in detail and it comes to pass. I think it's awesome. What are the dangers of not having a vision? <laughs> he said, perish. <clears throat> people are uncontrolled when they don't have a vision. People who don't have a vision also lack direction. People think ministry is their vision. Ministry is not a vision. We're our, we already have ministry in us. We're already called to be ministers. We're called to be ministers. But what the vision is, it's to fulfill the kingdom, the expansion of the kingdom. A vision is for the expansion of the kingdom, even if it's a personal vision. If, if God has given you a vision for a mate, and uh, then that mate comes, and it's a godly mate, it's a kingdom union, then the kingdom just got expanded because of your marriage. Amen. And we've seen that in this ministry. We've seen grace go to another level. Because some of y'all have uh, redid your vows, or how do you call it, renew your vows? And you saw this another level of grace came. And grace only comes because of love. 
Because faith does not work without love. And grace will never come to you unless you're in faith. Does that make sense? Let's see if I can remember it now. <laughs> faith only comes from love. And faith cannot be fulfilled without love. And grace will not come unless you're in faith. Grace will never come to you unless you're in faith. We come to Jesus in faith to get saved and grace comes, right? Because faith comes by hearing. So we, we heard the word. We heard the shepherd and grace came. And listen, it's going to be even tougher for the church to stay in faith in these latter times. Because he said, even the elect, if possible, I love that word, if possible, may be deceived. May be deceived. So, if you're in a church, or know somebody's in a church, make sure their leader's not in deception. Because if the leader's in deception, then you're falling right into it. And you won't know you're deceived. People who are deceived don't know it. Because they think they're right in their own eyes. And that's how you know they're deceived. A person that's right in his own eyes is deceived. Until you take a humble approach that you don't know anything, then God gives grace. God gives grace. Don't argue. Don't argue with people. If a leader comes to you or sits you down, or uh, don't argue with them. Remember, we are in our season of rest and mine was tested last Sunday. You see how temptation come? To get me out of my rest. Did, did I get out of my rest? No, sir. I didn't know how it was going to come. And you never know how it's going to come. But the enemy tempts you with something or provokes you with something to get you out of your restful state, your peaceful state. And man, once you step out of that thing and open up your mouth, it's contrary to your... Your peaceful, graceful speech. Then you just entered into deception. Peaceful, season with grace. Season with grace. Our speech is supposed to be seasoned with grace. With unmerited favor. That person don't deserve the things I'm telling them. That's seasoned with grace. I'm going to love that person, kiss him on the cheek. And they were just talking bad about me yesterday. That season with grace. Amen. When you, when you obey what God says to do, then everything that was, that was in you about that person leaves the closer you get to that person. It just goes away. Isn't that right? Grace just causes it to go away. I think it's beautiful. I love the kingdom of God. The people are uncontrolled, who don't have a vision, and they also lack the vision. Most of the people, I said most of the people, not all the people that come through this door, have no direction. Isn't that right? They have no direction because they have no vision. And the reason they don't have no vision because they thought their gifts and callings was their vision. That's not your vision. 
God's going to give you a vision to fulfill the advancement of his kingdom. And your gifts and callings are a part of that. But they're not the primary vision of the vision. That makes sense. God said your gifts will make room for you. God's going to already open doors for you with your giftings. They're going to make room for you. That's why I love it when the young group, they're getting into their destiny. And, and Chris, man, Chris is an awesome testimony just a few years ago. Was totally in the world. And now look where he's at right now. He's a youth pastor, and the kids have doubled. And Tori as well. And Tori, man. I knew the grace of God showed up when Tori showed up with Chris. Amen. Because Chris, Chris would have never fulfilled his destiny without that, that Tori. I'm telling you, she's perfect for him. Perfectly. Consequently, their, their lives have no sense of destiny, causing them to fall into sin and discouragement. How many of you have all been discouraged when you came in here? Yeah, because you just constantly are falling into sin by, by trying to make your vision come to pass. And remember, your vision is something that's either fleshly or carnal or your gift and calling that you're trying to bring it to pass. Your vision is never God's vision. God's vision is always yours. That makes sense. Gets you thinking a little bit, don't it? See, that's the apostolic spirit. It challenges your mind. Always my 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 uh, confirmation that and that a revelation just came forth is is Pastor Carl. He thinks for a minute and then he gets this big smile on his face. <laughs> I think the revelation almost doubles his smile. It enlarges his whole mouth. You can see all his teeth. <laughs> Proverbs 28, 18. Where there's no vision, no redemptive, I love this word, redemptive revelation of God. Every revelation of God should be redemptive. That revelation is redeeming something in you. And what is revelation? Everybody knows, and I'm talking about revelation all the time. Everybody knows what revelation is, right? Raise your hand if you don't. Okay, everybody knows what revelation is. It's God unveiling himself to you. The people perish, but he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man. See, that's, that's if we don't uphold man's law, we'll never be able to uphold God's law. And God's law is love. But if we can't uphold a man's law, we'll never uphold God's law of life and peace. But blessed is the man, happy, fortunate, and be enviable is he. Does people envy your life? The Bible says the people are supposed to envy your life. He's talking about sinners. Should envy your life. Because you got God in your life. And you're not broke, busted, and disgusted. Amen. Todd waving his hand back there. You broke, busted, and disgusted. Who is that? Oh, you're agreeing. I thought Todd was saying he was broke. He'll be broke after these next couple of days. He's going to where? Hilton had to see his friends. <laughs> Thank God he got baptized in the Spirit. 
and evidence of tongues. He got tongues in, uh, when he went to King Jesus. Yep. He's going to give a testimony Saturday night. And he's not the same. He's not the same. He's praying in tongues while he's working. I'm working with him at Christmas house. He's Because I told him, I said, keep praying in tongues because it will, it will, it will diversify. Amen. It would diversify. So isn't it great that these young people are getting baptized in the Spirit with an evidence of tongues? Man, look at the power. Look at the generation God's raising up for us old folks. I mean, this old folks. Like, <laughs> I keep looking at Weta. Weta's been with me for so long. We feel like we're ancient. 20 years or so. Man. Lack of initiative is a danger. One of the dangers is not having a vision. Lack of initiative. Working with people who have no vision kills your initiative. Seek after people that have a vision. Visions are exciting. They're exciting. It's, it's invigorating. Motivation is lost. This comes from having the lost Having lost the ability to dream. Don't you love the dream? I love the dream. I have almost zero dreams in my sleep. I may have had three in 25 years. It just tells you I'm not an old man. Right? I see visions all the time. <laughs> but really, it's been three dreams. And I was asleep. And one of them was so vivid, and this deals with relationships. I was dating this young lady, and I thought that was my wife, and and pushing, pushing, pushing towards that. You know, your flesh can get into things and and push something to try to make it happen. And and uh, this has been going on for quite a while, and all of a sudden I had this dream, and I was in this coming through the front door, and it was so bright. That's how I knew it was God. And there was a flowered couch, and there was a Christmas box on it, like a shirt box, and it was wrapped in rainbow paper. And it was just illuminating. God, I tell you, he's going get to get to us one way or the other. And if he can get to us in our sleep, he knows that we're out of the way. Right? But I said, Lord, that, the, the box got my attention. And then, and then uh, I looked to the right, and there was a, a woman in a wedding dress. A veil covered her hair and everything, but her face was to the wall. And I said, Lord, why is that woman's face to the wall? He said, I haven't shown you the face of your wife yet. Here I am thinking, because I looked around in this vision, and the flowered couch was the person I was dating. And the next night later, a couple nights later, I was at the office at Park South and ministering to someone, and that vision came back, and the box opened up, and a serpent came out, and the serpent's skin was rainbow. So that told me I was in a 
deceiving relationship. And I was part of that deception. Amen. And the reason it was in a, in a box is because it's amazing how we can win people over with gifts. Amen. Let me buy her something. Spent all my money buying things. So an inception. But I was the problem. I was the problem. I'm the man. I should know better. The man's head's not right. The woman's head's not going to be right. But it tells you how dreams and visions, God communicates through dreams and visions. I trust those more than I would trust a prophecy. Because it's just you and God. Nobody else is around. I get visions driving my car. And nobody's in the car. And open a vision. And I know it's just me and God. That's why visions are so important. Because visions will motivate you. Will motivate you. Lack of direction. As we awake every morning, we need something greater than ourselves. Amen? I need something greater than myself to keep me motivated, motivated to fight and give me meaning for life. Something's got to motivate you. Give you meaning for life. Having a divine vision protects us from getting distracted. It will keep you focused. It will keep you focused. And before this session ends on vision, I, I want everybody to write your vision down, whether it's personal or whether it's corporately, and let's share them in the atmosphere. Let's share what your vision is. Get people to agree with you. Amen. The, the agreement of people will make all the difference. You can get people you can trust in. And if you can't trust somebody, you better let me know. Because they're going to be sitting at my desk. I want to know why they can't trust you. I want to know why they can't trust you. Amen. Because there's usually offense in them. A person with offense can't be trusted all the time. My last office manager, 15, 20 years, 15 years, she looked at me one day and she said, you don't trust me. I said, no, I don't trust your head. I trust your heart. I knew her heart. But when all those emotions are going crazy, you don't put your trust in those emotions. Those emotions will mess you up. That's always going to be the wrong decision. If you do anything emotionally, always. We're at 7 o'clock. Pull this page. Any questions about visions? Good. Yeah. Need a mic up here? That one. Um, I just want a little bit of clarification, Gene, if you will. Yes. When you mentioned um, God only speaking to you once about a vision, I said that's what we're talking about. Explain to me the difference between that and sometimes I've done this and I've heard you and some of the others say, you know, this was my understanding anyway, that God had said something to you or you ask and got a question and then you ask again to get a confirmation or something if you okay. hear from the Lord three times. All right, there's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah, That's a good explain question. Explain that to me. When God speaks to you and gives you something and you know it's God, he won't do it the same way twice. The same way twice. Right. He will okay. confirm it. 
So confirmation is an indirect way he speaks to confirm what he said, but he never repeats himself. So will it necessarily come right through to me, me again, yes. or maybe from somebody else, or maybe to me again, but just in a different way? Is That's that what you're where the, the two witnesses come in. Remember, we talked about three witnesses. Right. First one is always God. He's going to speak. He does not need to repeat himself. Isn't it amazing when you speak the truth, you don't have to repeat it? Isn't that true? And it doesn't return void. It does what it's supposed to do. So God's the God of truth. So he's going to speak one time. One time. But he'll confirm through people what he has said in you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I, I was confused, I guess, because I thought I had heard before that you know, I had to ask again. And, and maybe God answered in a different way, the same answer. Well, God, that, I, I guess I'm a little confused. If, if God hasn't given you an answer, you keep asking and asking and asking. But once he gives you that answer, uh -huh. you shouldn't have to ask again. Okay, I, I had misunderstood that earlier. Then, yeah. I think. He'll just confirm. And see, one, one thing about beautiful about the confirmation, it confirms that everything's in motion. Isn't that beautiful? You get a confirmation, you know that everything is in motion. God's already set it in motion for you. When he spoke it, he put it in motion. One thing the Lord told me a long time ago, 10 years ago, he said, Gene, the least amount of movement causes the most amount of motion. The least amount of movement causes the most amount of motion. Motion. So that means my flesh is not in it. I'm not moving. I'm standing still and seeing the salvation of God. And when you get your confirmation, you know that everything's in motion, motion, motion. Amen. Any questions? Any more questions? That's good. Clear that up. Motion. Yeah. Y'all excited? I'm excited. We need we need to stay excited together. Keep each other encouraged. Coming in your your season of blessing. This last quarter of Jubilee. And God's gonna bless with something you hadn't had before. Jubilee was the year of Jubilee was every fifty years with the Israelites where God would just wipe out their debts. And he would also heal their spirits, souls, and bodies. Everything would get healed in the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years. And I love it because this is what the seventh, 50th year. Isn't that cool? That's pretty. This is the seventh, 50th year. So that seven means Jubilee is going to be made whole and perfect now. And this year. I've already seen it working. In it. You know, God just giving a little bit of a little stream. I see a little stream flowing in some of, some of everybody's life a little bit. Just a little stream. And sometimes I see the string coming to them. And just before it hits them, all hell's breaking loose. Their mind's going crazy. You know, they, you know, the devil comes in there, try to intercept that flow. Yeah. The, the devil can send you the, send a battle your way, but he sure can't win. That's a beautiful thing. There's always going to be a battle, and he's going to be the other party in it. But he cannot win. The longer I wrestle with him carnally, the more bruises I'm going to have. 
And those bruises are going to come from people bruising my emotions and bruising this and bruising that because I'm trying to fight this battle with carnal weapons. And that's conditional weapons. Do this for me and I'll do that for you. Weapons. I'm not going to speak to you until you speak for me. To, to me, that's a weapon. Praise God. I love Robin. She's on fire. She is on fire. I can see it. Come on, you got some more questions. Brenda, Tom, come on. One question. I got to have a couple more questions. I got to know everybody's getting this. My teaching can't be that clear. Oh, praise God. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> so you were talking about, you know, vision, writing the vision down. The vision meaning like the whole, the whole of what God has really introduced to you from this point. Because I know... Um, you know, I know what the Lord has shown me. I don't know the full picture, but I know what the Lord has shown me from, you know, from whenever I first came in here to now. And and I have received confirmation on that and how, you know, the steps and the transitions and the um, the movement, the motion, so to speak. Um, but so ha it's, a, it's a lot, you know. So how do we know to really determine? What's the message? People. What's the message in the vision? That's what I. What's the message of that building? Yeah. Reconciliation, washing the bride, bring the the people to maturity. But see, one thing you got to learn about vision: vision unfolds itself little by little. And how you know it's unfolding is in your trials and testing. The vision is unfolding at another level. And trials and testing. When you enter into a trial and God's given you a vision and, and you've, you've carried this vision and then you, you have a trial and you don't pass the test, you know, <laughs> then he can't un unveil the vision. As you change, you see it more clearly. And if you can see it, you can have it. When I saw the building, I knew I could have it. But I knew it was going to be a process. How do you see it? You'll see it if you pass your trials. Kathy asked a good question. How do you see it? You will see it if you'll pass your trials and testing. If it's a true vision from God, if you don't see it, then it wasn't a vision from God. Because he's going to unfold it for you. Every time you pass a test or trial, he's going to unfold it for you. So if it's not unfolding and becoming more exciting, more brighter, more with more clarity, then you know it wasn't from God. <coughs> that makes sense. You sure? Okay. So get into worship. Stay in worship. That worship and fellowship, two things right there. God will give you. It. Yeah. One of the first he said one of the first things you have a vision of is your wholeness. If we're not looking at ourselves as being whole and renewed in the mind, sometimes it's hard to see. We talked about this last week. It's hard to see the other layers. So your first recon it, the the first vision is your reconciliation your, to wholeness. You step that out, and then every time you something changes, another measure of whether it's collective or um, what was the second one? I forget the second one. 
There's personal. Familiar. Familiar. Okay, right. So then the next layers of things that you enter in, going to your job, doing what you're doing, then those visions unfold. But the first, the first vision for all of us is our reconciliation to God and things being redeemed and revealed in us. So you we have can a be personal changed. vision, you have a corporate vision. Right. Just leave it on. I don't want to belabor this too much, just on my own account, but um, remember when I shared with you and Lee a vision that God had given me before I moved here? That, in, in my recollection, was my very first really clear vision that I knew came from God. Is that what you're talking mm -hmm. about, what what that particular thing yeah. meant to my change in my life? Right. Okay. It changes you. Okay. It prepares you to see a vision is is unseen in the natural. Mm -hmm. And every time you pass a test or trial, the materialization of that vision you get closer to. Well, that clarifies it. You get closer to it. Every time you pass a trial or a test, you don't know where it's at, but one day you're going to wake up and you're going to run right into the manifestation, the materialization of that vision. So do you know that you pass um, a test or trial by just not reacting the way you used to? Like, how do you actually know? Peace. Peace. Okay. Peace is always the first sign. And another way is that you're not doing what you used to do in a trial. Right? You're not doing what you used to do. Yell and scream and, <laughs> and run and hide and be full of fear and anxiety and those kind of things. I don't do that stuff anymore. My, my, my vision was, my first vision was Jesus. I saw him three times. And um, I just knew right then, because of that vision, that he just wanted me to get close to him. And the closer I got to him, this is what happened. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, you can't look at him in his eyes. There's so much love bellowing out of his eyes that I dove on the floor. I couldn't even look at him. I was in a motel room right there on Stevenson Avenue. <laughs> I always tell people I used to take women there, but now I take Jesus there. <laughs> Praise God. It's a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> Everlasting. All right, let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the revelation. Lord, I ask you for those who don't have a vision, a personal vision, a corporate vision for their life, that you would begin to impart vision to them as we teach in this class. I ask you to release the impartation of visions and dreams into your people. They can fulfill the advancement and enlargement of the kingdom of God. We seal it with your love today. Seal it with your presence, and we'll go in your power and authority, proclaiming the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give him.